When was a time you got a phone call that changed everything for you? And not in a good way. Or you receive news. And the rug was pulled out from underneath you. I was with Ethan at one of his classmates' birthday parties. He was probably four or five when Deanna called to share the news that her younger brother had passed away. And immediately, the blood from my body and face disappeared. Have you gotten that call? I remember the phone call when my sister shared that she had cancer. I remember the phone call from the company that we were working with, the ministry that we were working with, that we were so excited. We'd been planning for 18 months to head to Ethiopia with this group and Remember the phone call when they said they were withdrawing their support? Been there? A doctor's diagnosis, a door slamming, so your loved one doesn't qualify as a loved one anymore. What do you do when your world crumbles apart? What do you do as you hold the hand of your beloved as they leave this world and head to the next? What do you do? How do you cope? How do you keep living when everything falls apart? Have you been there? Are you there now? How do we find hope? What's your anchor? How do you find strength to take the next breath? I think I've shared uh, friends of ours who uh, lost their firstborn son the day he was born. And in wisdom from someone faithful and in their own processing, their commitment to finding a way to win each day was they got to count it as a win if they showered that next day. Have you been in that kind of funk before? When showering is a victory? The the reality of this life is, is we'll all go through seasons where we experience heartbreak and turmoil and struggle, and pain, 
and the weight of everything crashing on you. How do you get through? Do you get through? And what does faith have to do in the midst of it? This is what Isaiah chapter 40 is about. This is the, the world that Isaiah is speaking into for Israel. Everything in Israel's life had crumbled. Not, not just personally, but all of the structures, all of the, the infrastructure that, that supported Israel, that, that gave them our, their identity, their, their purpose, their belonging, everything in Israel's life was taken from them. A foreign power had come and overthrown them. They'd lost their holy place, their temple, their faith. Their God was defeated. Every structure of their government yanked out from underneath them. Everything crumbled. And Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, God's chosen people were left to say, where are you, God? What, what, what are you doing? Where'd you go? Are you powerful? Do you even care? You ever ask those questions? It's okay. Those are faithful questions. Where'd you go, God? What, what, what are you doing? Are, are, are you good? Because everything I'm experiencing right now do doesn't feel very good. Are, are you powerful? Because it, it'd be really cool for you to show off some of your power right now, Lord. Have you been there? What do we do? When the bottom drops out. And your identity. Everything you know about who you are and whose you are is brought into question. That this is the mindset that Israel is in the midst of. As chapter 40 of Isaiah comes. Everything is a wreck. And, and if that's not where you're at, I celebrate with you. But, but you, you've been there and it's probably coming around the corner again. Because that's just the reality of this life. Sorry, welcome to church this morning. So glad you came, right? Ooh, thanks, Pastor. I love this good news. What, what do we do? What, what does our faith have to say when everywhere you turn is struggle and darkness and pain and weight and struggle? How, 
How do you have hope? Hope. That's what Isaiah 40 is about. It's about hope. And not hope as the world gives. Hope. Hope the way the world talks about hope is, well, it's kind of wishy-washy, isn't it? Hope that the world speaks about doesn't do much for me. It's wishes. Wishful thinking. The, the hope of Scripture, the hope of faith, the hope of our God is different than wishes. It is steeped in a reality about our God that, that we don't lean into enough. And that reality of our God is that He is everlasting. He's everlasting. Ours is a God who plays the long game. He's in it for the long haul. His commitment to you doesn't wane. It doesn't wash away. It doesn't grow weary. He was committed to you before you were born. And he is committed to you long after this life is over. He is the everlasting God. And so our hope rests in this power. That ours is a God of the covenant Covenant. That's a Bible word if ever there was a Bible word, isn't it? Covenant. Most often we hear about covenants today or when you go on uh, lock-ins or, or youth trip gatherings and you covenant, you commit to, you know, blue and pink, no purple. That's a covenant, right? <laughs> right? The rules, right? Miss Paula's nodding her head, right? A, a covenant is... Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a commitment to a relationship. It was established long ago. The first covenantal promise given to, to Noah before the flood. Given to Abraham. Given to Moses and given to David. And, and all of those covenants wrapped together simply say this. God, God's not going anywhere. And he's committed to you. I, I should that say that southernly. God is committed to y'all. Right? That this is a, a relational connection between God and us as his people. And it means that God isn't going anywhere. And even when you can't see him, he's working. And even when you can't feel them, guess what? Your feelings deceive you. Did you know that? Ours is a covenantal God. Explain it this way. There's a, a, a brilliant lady, uh, Kara Powell. She's uh, the head of the Youth Fuller Institute. It's a part of Fuller Seminary out in uh, Pasadena. 
Um, and she's a, she's a brilliant, uh, brilliant author, brilliant scholar. She's a researcher. She, she's the, one of the leading voices in looking at uh, young adults and, and youth and uh, how to work with them and come alongside of them and support them and, and ensure that faith is passed on to them. And is one of the ones that is doing the most research of the, the reality that youth are leaving the church in mass exodus. And in a recent interview, she, she shared the story, and maybe this resonates, that uh, she had a, a dear friend, her best friend, who was diagnosed with cancer. And it was stage four of some rare form, and it was awful, and the diagnosis was, was horrible. There was no hope, but there was a little bit of hope because she was able to get into a, a, a drug trial. And this faithful family was praying for their dear friend, for a miracle, for God to do his things. Have you prayed those prayers for loved ones? Come, Lord Jesus, do your work. And she got the phone call that the trial worked. She miraculously was cancer-free. Amazing. Rejoice. The most amazing miracle came to pass. And they rejoiced and celebrated. And six months later, they were together in a living room, and, and this dear friend had a seizure and went to the squad, to the hospital, for scans. Her body was riddled with tumors again. And a month later, she passed. And this brilliant woman had to sit with her 12-year-old daughter and say, Chrissy went home to be with Jesus. And the 12-year-old was mad. She was mad. How, how come God did this? Like, humans don't even do that. Save someone? Heal them? Just to take them away? What, what is God doing? You been through those? You been asked those questions? Have you asked those questions? God, where are you? Why? And the response of Miss Powell, Dr. Powell, to her daughter was four words. I don't know, but I don't know. But here's what I do know. And they began to talk about the faithfulness of God. Even when things don't look faithful. About the everlasting reality of God. Even when it strikes us personally different and hard and painfully. 
I don't know, but I do know that suffering produces character. Character produces perseverance. And perseverance produces hope. Romans 5. I don't know, but... You see, in our world today, we struggle because there are so many things that are thrown at us, and how do we respond, and how do we, how do we live into the reality of our hardships? And what, what do we do when, God's, when we cry out, God, where are you? I don't know. But here's what I do know. This is Psalm 40 from the message. You've heard me use it a couple times. It's, uh, it's not scripture. It's a paraphrase of scripture. The theologian in me needs to say that. <laughs> but it speaks. Here's our reading again. In a different language that maybe you can hear. Have you not been paying attention? Have you not been listening? Haven't you heard these stories all your life? Don't you understand the foundation of all things? God sits high above the round ball of earth. The people look like mere ants. He stretches out the skies like a canvas. Yes, like a tent canvas to live under. He ignores what all the princes say and do. The rulers of the earth count for nothing. Princes and rulers don't amount to much. Like seeds barely rooted, just sprouted, they shrivel when God blows on them. Like flecks of chaff, they're gone with the wind. So who is like me? Who holds a candle to me, says the holy? Look at the night skies. Who do you think made all this? Who marches this army of stars out each night, counts them off, calls each by name? So magnificent, so powerful. And never overlooks a single one. Why would you ever complain, O Jacob? Or whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. He lasts. He's creator of all you see. All you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything, inside and out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk. And they don't lag behind. The everlasting God. He doesn't come and go. He lasts. The first part of Isaiah 40. Uh, we read not that long ago. It's part of Advent. Begins with the words. Comfort, comfort, O my people. 
It's the part that is often quoted in, in December as it points to John the Baptist. It talks about the one pre, who's coming to prepare the way for the Lord. That there's a forerunner coming to set things up for Jesus and his coming. I, I don't have great answers for why you suffer and the, the hardships that you go through. I don't have answers for the suffering I've endured. I don't know. But the way has been prepared for the one who was coming, has come, and is coming again. His name is Jesus. And in the covenantal relationship that God establishes with you, He comes. And He restores. And He redeems. And He lifts up. I don't know. But, His name is Jesus, and he's with you in the junk. His name is Jesus, and he walks with you. His name is Jesus. He's the everlasting one. And in him, all things hold together. And all things will be made new. His name is Jesus. I don't know. But Jesus. In the name of Christ. Amen.